0: And I pray that you would be with your messenger, Lord. That your word not, would not come back, Lord, Lord Father. I pray, Lord God, that you would be with your messenger, Lord. That I would just get out of your way, Lord, and you would speak your words through me. And I pray that your word would be alive and active. And that it would pierce our hearts, Lord, and reveal things to us, Lord. We thank you for your word, which is mighty and powerful, Lord God. And it does the supernatural in us. So you can work through us. And I pray this in the name in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 We're meeting John chapter 20. So if you want to turn with me there. Again, it's John chapter 20. The gospel of John. You'll find it between the books of Genesis and Revelation. I want to share something with you guys. I vividly remember my first funeral that I ever attended. And it was my father's own funeral. And I remember seeing my family there just in tears and utter disbelief and sorrow and anguish and pain as they were mourning over the loss of my father. And I'd seen my uncles, I'd seen my cousins. I've seen my aunts all weeping and being there with my mother and trying to comfort her through her pain, through her anguish, through her sorrow, through her time of disbelief just mourning over the loss of a husband that she's had for over 30 years. And this was a man who taught me a lot. This was a man who taught me pretty much everything. This was a man who taught me how to fish, who taught me how to play basketball. This is a man who taught me how to have good manners and a good work ethic. And now as a 16-year-old boy, I just sit there in disbelief, not shedding a tear because of the last words that my father said to me. He said, Scott, you're going to have to be strong now. You're going to become the man of the house. And I just remember going to the funeral. I remember going to the calling hours. I remember hearing the eulogy and having people speak about what great of a man he was. And I heard all these things. Now, most of us here have been to some type of funeral service, right? We've been to the, we've heard the eulogy. We've been to the calling hours. We've been to the funeral. We've been to a family member who passed Away. And it's kind of fitting that, you know, Renee, Renee's special, you know, I can only imagine. But have you ever thought about what God's funeral must have been like? What God's calling hours must have been like? Because no other funeral that I've ever been to, or probably that you've ever been to, you know, you never went to the grave site and found that the body was missing or the ashes weren't there. Right? But that, that's exactly what it talks about in John chapter 20. It talks about God's ruined hours. Let's go ahead and read that here in John chapter 20 verses 1 through 18. He says, Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb early, while it was still dark, and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. Then she ran and came to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken away the Lord out of the tomb. We do not know where they have laid him. Peter therefore went out and the other disciple and were going to the tomb. So they both ran together. The other disciple outran Peter and came to the tomb first. And he stooped down and looked and saw the linen clothes laying there. Yet he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came and him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen clothes lying there. In the handkerchief that had been around his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but folded together in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who came to the tomb first went in also, and he saw and believed, for yet they did not know the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Then the disciples went away again to their own homes, but Mary stood outside by the tomb weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the tomb, and she saw two angels in white, sitting one at the head of the, and one at the feet, where the body of Jesus had lain. Then they said to her, Woman, why are you we weeping? She said to them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Now, when she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, and did not know that was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? She supposed him to be the gardener, said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary! She turned and said to him, Rabbi which is the say teacher. And Jesus said to her, Do not cling to me, for I have not descended to my father, but go to my brethren and say to them, I am ascendant to my Father and your Father, and to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene came and told the disciples what she had seen. She had seen the Lord and that He had spoken these things to her. That is the word of the Lord this morning. And we see Jesus how He lay in this tomb a couple of days. And the grief was just overwhelming. Mary, the other disciples, assumed he was gone forever. That Jesus was not coming back. Because people don't come back who are dead. They just don't come back to life, They don't resurrect. They don't come back and defeat death like Jesus did. The only time they had seen anybody raised to life was Lazarus. And guess who raised Lazarus from the dead? It was Jesus. So, how can there be a resurrection if the resurrector was in need of a resurrection? He was the one who died, and all their hopes and their dreams and their admirations died with him when Jesus died. And the Messiah who would save them from their suffering also died when he died. They had no idea. They had no Knowledge of what was to come next. They were frightened. They were scared of the religious leaders of the day. They were scared of the Sanhedrin. They were scared of the Pharisees. They were scared that they were going to be the ones next who would die a death like Jesus. They, they would be the next who would be crucified. And I'm sure they were concerned that they looked, for, looked like fools for believing in this Messiah, for believing. In this Jesus that all their hopes and all their wealth everything that they had was put in Jesus they put everything all their hopes all their dreams all their admirations in Jesus Christ and believed that he was a Messiah who would come and save people from their sins but now the Messiah has come and now the Messiah has gone so maybe just maybe John wrote this particular text in John 20, but just Mary showing up at the tomb to emphasize a fear that came from the others. A woman would have been much, much less, more suspicious to be at the tomb. Women weren't given much credit back then. So no one would have believed that a woman would be the first one to be at the gravesite, to be at the common hours of Jesus Nobody would believe that a woman would be a part of starting a revolution. But it's true, she was a part of a revolution. She was part of the Jesus follower movement. And there's a great time in history because God loves to use everybody who is willing. Male, or female, fat, skinny, smart, dumb. He wants to use everybody for His glorious purposes. Amen. So we see that she came to this garden alone, this place where her Lord was buried, where the man who had treated her along with other women like part of a community, a person of value and esteem. And Jesus Christ didn't show no favoritism. He loved all and he seeked all. And nobody was too far gone to be reached by the grace of God. We see this one, how she grieved and she wept bitterly, and she had no expectations in her tears. Only grief and sorrow and pain to see that her Lord was dead. And that brings me to the first point of in the garden, how Mary mistakes Jesus for a gardener. She wouldn't have expected to see Him alive and living, watching somebody Die usually means that they're not going to come back, that they're gone forever. And the Jewish reading of this text is really interesting. It causes the reader to kind of ponder the first ever garden experience, which was used in Genesis chapter 2, connecting and meeting the resurrected Jesus to the fall of humanity that we see in the beginning of Genesis. And I think John here is making this theological connection here and we see how we have been a part of this Lenten journey all along in the week that must die in order to propagate the illustration of that to illustrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ that life comes from his death when we think about gardening when we think about you know sorrow and wheat and flowers and dirt. When you think about compost as one of the greatest sources of nutrients for gardens. But if you did not know, the compost is made of dead and decaying things. Out of death and decay came the resources necessary to bring about life in the garden. We see how Jesus is his master gardener. He is in the business of turning. Dead things into living things. He is the business of turning death into life. He is in the business of turning sorrow into joy. He was in the business of turning your hell into his heaven. And he also breathed resurrection, life into us, into people, into the world around us, taking the broken, taking the rotten, taking the dying and allow a new life to spur from it. We see how we can join the gardener's work in the world. And it's easy to live a life under perpetual salary looking at the decay, looking at the death, not looking around us. But we are to be a resurrection people. We are to raise dead things to life. Because Jesus said that the same power that raised him from the dead is available in us. We have supernatural power living in us because God is living in us when we Amen. receive Him as our Lord and Savior. Amen. He has given us life, and He has given us life abundantly. He has given us the supernatural ability to touch people's lives with His very Word, the very Word, the incarnate Word of Jesus Christ, the living Word. We can join in this resurrection life, this resurrection work of Christ in the world around us. By toiling, by weeding, and planting seeds of new life wherever we go. Whether it's at our home, or at our grocery store, or being out with our family. Wherever we may go, we can breathe life into people. The very life that God gives us. We can breathe His resurrected power into each other. We have this hope from the Holy Spirit that is already working in our lives. And the hope and the power of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He's present in us. He's present in our communities. He's present in our nations. He gives us this hope, this resurrection power of Himself. And He doesn't want us to just let that resurrection power lay dormant. But He wants us to use it for His glorious purposes. And our lives are not to be filled in the midst of decay and despair and sorrow, but as an offering to Christ, following in His footsteps of His great sacrifice, that we invite you to know the life that will come out of that death and the sin that lives so entirely in this world. We need to remember that death. But death does not have the final word. Amen. The resurrection of Jesus Christ does. That's when sin's power was broken. It was broken at the cross, and he defeated death and sin when he rose again from the dead. And our gardener is at work, and we are to partner with him as he breathes life and to dying in dark places. As he makes the dark light, as he makes the ugly beautiful, as he makes the sorrowful joyful. And just think about this, what if we tap into the master gardener's tool and put it to use because no one is too broken to receive from God's garden of grace. Let me say that again, because nobody is too broken to receive from God's garden of grace. Amen Amen, church. Nobody is too far from God to receive Him in the life that He wants to give us. The resurrection that He wants to give us in our own personal lives. He gives water, waters of life to dry places. He will exhale air into dead places. He will give life to those that are lifeless. He will resurrect our lives. As we are resurrected, we are to resurrect others. And maybe you're sitting here and you feel dead, you feel lifeless, you feel numb to your very core, to your very existence. Well, I have good news for each and single one of you. God wants to raise you from the dead. He wants to turn that numbness into passion once again. He wants to give you purpose, and fulfillment, and meaning in your own life. Because God cares for each and single one of us here. And He he doesn't love anyone any more or any less. He loves us all the same. There's nothing that we, we can do to make God love us any less. and There's nothing more that we can do to make us more loved by Him. So I want to challenge you, if you're here today and you feel kind of lifeless and down and depressed, and like you have no meaning or fulfillment in your life today, to turn to the one who is the Resurrector, the one who can give resurrection, the one who can breathe life into you. Because nobody is ever too far gone to receive from God's Garden of Grace. And He will receive you today. He will receive you, return to Him, and repent of your sins. And call upon the name of the Lord. Nobody is too far gone from Him. Let's pray together. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord. We come before you. We thank you that you hear the prayers of your people, Lord. And I know sometimes some of us can go astray, Lord Father. Some of us can go down the wrong path, Lord God. And it's not that you left us, but we we leave you, Lord God. It's not that we let go, but it is that we let go. And you never let us go, Lord. And I pray, Lord God, for... Anybody here today who feels broken and who feels like they are far from you, Lord Father. That today they would make a commitment, Lord God, that they would make a commitment on resurrection Sunday, Lord God, to make you again the Lord of their life, Lord. And maybe somebody's here today, Lord, who has never made that step to receive you. As their Lord and Savior, who never made that verbal commitment to say that Jesus died for my sins, and that three days later he rose from the dead defeat sin. They never asked you to come into their heart and live, as they would repent from their ways and to turn to you, the one true and living God with everybody's eyes closed and heads bowed, if you have never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior I want to give you an opportunity to do that today because today is a day of salvation and if you want to know without a shadow of a doubt that you will Burn in hell for all eternity. Then repeat the words after me. Repeat this prayer after me in your own heart. And in your own words if you would like. Dear God, I come before you. As a broken and frail and a mess of a human being. And I know that I have lived my life for myself, Lord. Today, this day on Easter 2018, I want to give my life over to you. And I ask that you would come into my heart and live as I repent from my sin and turn to you. And I believe that you lived and you died for my sin. And that three days later you resurrected from the dead. And I just want to ask for everybody's eyes closed and head down. If you pray that prayer, just raise up your hand. God bless you. Dear Father, I just pray for those who raised their hands. Look on. I pray that you would be with them, that you would lead them, Lord. And I'm still sensing from your spirit that there are others. And Satan just has a grip on their hearts this morning. And he's imposing the spirit of fear on them. But you say in your word that perfect love expels all fear. And you, Lord, you, God, are... You are the perfect love that we that pray, Lord God, that you would just take away any obstacles, take away any fears, Lord God. Take away any pride that may be in our way, Lord Father. And I pray, for God, for those as God gives us second and third and an infinite amount of chance of our Father. I'm going to pray that again, Lord God if you if you have even a shadow of doubt in your heart that you aren't going to be in heaven or maybe you have a stronghold a chain that is keeping you from your full potential with a relationship with god we'll just pray this prayer with me lord forgive me for i am a sinner and i pray for god that you would take your rightful place On the throne of my heart, and I believe that you died, that you died on the cross, that you were beaten beyond recognition, that you had nails pierced in your hands and feet, you had your skull pierced with a crown of thorns. But the good news is that three days later, you got off that cross and you rose from the dead to defeat death sin, to make a way for us to be with our Father. And I receive that, Lord God, I come to you in confession and repent from our sin and turn to you and trust in you as my Lord and Savior. If you pray that with me today, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Would the worship team come up here and play that song, He Lives Again?